Hello and welcome in to 615 Preps Coaches in Q. Uh, today we have with us uh, Coach Maurice Fitzgerald, uh, former coach at uh, Hillsborough, retiring this year, Coach. Yes, sir. Um, you know, you know, we we'll go a uh, little bit through your your, re- your resume, and you correct me if I'm wrong because I've been wrong too many times to count. <laughs> but you're you're originally right here, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Went to Hume Fog High School, graduated right from Hume Fog, went to. Tennessee State University played under the legendary John Merritt and Coach Joe Gilliam and Coach Alvin Coleman. Wow. So you've been coaching for, uh, what, 36 years, uh, 34 here in uh, Nashville? Yeah, about, about 36 years. Yeah. yeah. About seven, seven years in uh, middle school, which uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It kind of brings you back to, to earth real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You were named uh, this year, I believe, the uh, All-City Coach of the Year. Yeah. Um, so uh, you had a, a, a definitely a good year this year. Um, and you've had a, quite a run at, at Hillsborough since, what, 2017? Yes, sir. Four uh, years. Yep. So reviewing your history, you've got quite the resume. Um, two state championships as a head coach. What do you attribute your longevity as a, as a coach in the metro area? I think just really being a servant, you know, uh, being a servant of the good Lord um, and trying to just impact student-athletes as best you can, uh, you know, being uh, with your children, being involved in athletics, gave you insight and input on how you wanted to, you know, treat kids. You can't treat all of them the same, but you can love them all. <laughs> and now you're, you've announced you're stepping down as head coach at uh, at Hillsborough. What made this the right time to step down? I think a couple of things. Uh, one thing, we hadn't played at home in three years. So uh, with, the, um, with all the uh, construction being completed at the beginning of this year in August, you know, is the next coach would have a lot of things uh, that he doesn't have to worry about. You know, have to be on the road, a uh, magnificent stadium. They have a, a flex field on top of the garage, which it would be uh, turf. Uh, there are a lot of things, you know, the weight room, uh, the, the practice facilities. Every, everything is in place. You know, you want to leave a situation uh, a little bit better than, than, than you first, you know, got a ride. But uh, I think that Having these things uh, certainly would help uh, a young coach or an old coach or uh, anybody that's coming in. You, you want to be able to come in and go to work. Well, that's pretty much the definition of a legacy is leaving something better than the way you found it. And, and that, that sounds like uh, that, that is the, the, going out at that point, I see where that would make sense. Yes. Uh, is the stadium going to be ready for this year? It'll be ready. And it's magnificent. Uh, you know, this new stadium, uh, the garage is connected to the stadium, which is connected to the, the weight room and the locker room. Uh, it's just magnificent. Um, you know, went over there. I had a chance to go. I really hadn't observed a lot in the last three years. You just kind of put your head down and go to work. But now you were able to go over and walk through and see all the things that, all the images that they have, all the things at their disposal, uh, the new track. You know, they have an eight-lane track uh, with high jump, long jump pit. Uh, just, it's just wonderful to see this and uh, the, the 
student athletes really deserve it. So I'm looking forward to all the good things that happen at Hillsborough High School. Outstanding. Well, you, you kind of grew up in that area, right? Sure. Um, sure. So you, you talked about growing up in the Edge Hill community and attending Hume Fog in the 70s. Tell us a little bit about your high school, school experience then and what the primary differences are between that time and what kids are facing today. Well, when I went to Hume Fog, I, you know, I had a, a great coach by the name of Coach Al Dennis. And Coach Dennis uh, really was a great influence uh, as far as I'm concerned. He, he really never heard him curse. I, I don't think that applied to me sometimes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he always would say, if he got real mad, he would say, you know what, that chaps my butt severely. And I still say that in a lot of our uh, ex-teammates. You know, we get together, we always kind of mimic him. But, you know, he did a lot. He was a great example of uh, – what a, young, a man should be, uh, and he did everything that he could for us and gave us an opportunity to be successful. And so uh, those are the things that I learned and making sure that, you know, you just become a better person. Is Are, are circumstances harder on kids today than they were when, when you were growing up, or are they easier? Or Well, I think that, you know, you can look at it a lot of ways, but there's a lot of things pulling on on the kids, and certainly, you know, there's a, there's a, some things, some barriers that you have to overcome, you know, with, no matter where a student athlete goes to school. I know in our particular case, you know, always transportation is the issue. It's always been an issue, so you try to eliminate some of those barriers. Uh, just, you know, being all the things that they could be doing now um, instead of playing athletics, but and it, a lot of it is, is kind of, uh, you know, when we grew up, we were always outside playing, never inside until it was time to come to dinner, and that's when the streetlights came on. So you knew to be in. But now, you know, nobody knows. You don't know your neighbors. Nobody knows one another in the neighborhood. And we would, you know, travel. Uh, our neighborhoods would play other neighborhoods in baseball, basketball, and football. So we were always outside doing something, you know, getting a, a lot of physical activities and, and being a part of, of a team. So – you know, moving into high school, you knew kind of that, that team concept. You knew how to get along with people. Uh, you know, myself, I didn't really, uh, you know, go to school. It was, uh, you know, in, it wasn't integrated until I got into 10th grade. But, you know, when I went to Hume Fog, it was about 50-50, and it was the best time of my life, you know, because it wasn't an issue because you knew from your parents that you knew how to act. You know how to treat people. You know how to treat people with respect. So it, it was the best time of my life at Hume Fall. So you think, so you think that's it, it, what you're describing, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a loss of community maybe in what you're talking about, how you grew up with everybody knowing everybody. and There's no question. You know, uh, you had accountability. You know, the people in the, in the neighborhood, they knew you. You know, you couldn't you couldn't escape those eyes. It was always some eyes on you. There were always concerns about you and your welfare and making sure that you were the very best you could be. If not, they would relate that to your parents or your grandparents or whatever, and then uh, you would certainly get scolded when you got home. But we just had such a, a camaraderie as far as uh, children in the neighborhood and, and playing. And, you know, if that was a, you know, discrepancy, a disagreement, you know, you forgot about that the next day. Or, you know, these kids may, you know, remember that the next day or the next week or what have you. Well, you know, looking at high school sports, you know, over the, over the times that you've 
been coaching and, and the time you played. Um, what improvements have been made in the area of high school sports, and maybe where have we have we failed or or at least not made the improvements the way we should? Well, no question, strength and conditioning and uh, all the uh, avenues as far as, uh, you know, AAU, um, 707, a lot of these uh, pilot programs that, that uh, students are getting involved in so early. Uh, and so we made a lot of improvement on nutrition, strength and conditioning. You know, you condition all year round. You know, people have personal trainers and all those things. Uh, we, we didn't have that. Uh, so that, those are some of the good things. Uh, I think some of the things uh, that we're missing uh, is that we're, we're not able a lot of times uh, to, to get and reach the kids where they are, uh, to, to bring the kids into a fold uh, quickly because you don't have the feeder schools that really are attached. So you don't, you don't really have the feeder schools that, you know, come up like some of, you know, some of the uh, county schools do. You know, they right. come up believing in the tradition and everything that's happening at their high school, and they, can't look, they look forward to getting there. They can't wait to get there. Where our kids come from all in different directions. I don't think that's a pure high school whatsoever. You know, you know, a lot of people say you know these students are supposed to be here and there. Every a lot of students at every different school. So, but they have no really no community base. You know, because they're coming from everywhere. Right, right. Well, you know, you started coaching in uh, and head coach at uh, Pearl Cone. How difficult is it? to coach in the metro area now versus how it was then? Well, I think that, you know, uh, the only way I know how to do it really is, is to input that, you know, that folly figure as far as uh, treating the, the young men like you. And they knew that, you know, that but now, that you know, there's certain things, you, you know, I remember in, in probably some old days, you can't do that anymore. You can't grab a kid by the face mask and, you know, it wasn't anything to harm them. I mean, certainly, if anybody got harmed, it's probably your hand if you grabbed them. But, you know, some of those things, you got to watch, you know, exactly uh, how you say things. And I really don't pay much a lot of attention to that because, you know, I'm doing it out of love and, you know, going to make sure those children are treated just like if my own sons were you know, were there. And if you do that, you don't, you don't have a problem if you keep the, the student athlete first and foremost. I understand that. Um, <laughs> as a recipient of uh, several <laughs> face mask tugs oh, yeah, back yeah, in the day. Man. Tell you what, it's, I can remember a lot of it and, uh, you know, and kind of got your attention real quick. And, and you respected that and you understood that and, and you moved on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, Metro uh, coaches face a lot of challenges that perhaps – aren't felt in, in the other areas or are not as impactful as other schools. Um, what are some of those challenges that Metro coaches face that other programs don't? Well, I believe, you know, one of the things, like I said, is uh, the community base, uh, having pride in your community, you know, and that, that uh, trickles down to fundraising. You know, a lot of times, especially this year, we didn't have any gates or even – us particularly, we didn't have, we hadn't had any home gates in three years. So uh, fundraising is is a, is a utmost important. We've been able to do a great job at, at Hillsboro and at Pearl Cone because of relationships that I built outside of 
the football and outside of the school uh, that has been able to help us. You know, we've had great men to help us, you know, all throughout the years. Uh, one gentleman uh, that I can't think enough that he's done so much, probably as much for the inner city uh, athlete as anybody I know, and that's Dan Crockett. And he used to, uh, he was the CEO and owner of Franklin American Mortgage. But Dan Crockett has gone out of this way uh, to do great things for the inner city. And if not for Dan Crockett and others, um, that we couldn't have the things that we had because we didn't have the uh, the finances to get uniforms and helmets and shoulder pads and all this because we didn't have the money. You can't raise this kind of money that, right. that we need to be able to compete and be competitive. Uh, but, you know, people like Dan and, and Bill Bill Freeman and those those kind of guys and uh, Dr. Bill, uh, Dr. Dr. Rowe, Dennis Rowe, uh, can just name some of these people that have given back uh, a young man that that played for us at uh, Hillsboro. Um, that uh, is uh, is uh, works at well. He's one of the presidents, I think, at uh, one of the banks, and that's Brock Key, and he's at Pinnacle Bank. And uh, Brock played for me when I was at uh, Hillsboro, and so these kind of people are able to to give back and do and want to give back. And if you don't have that kind of support, you can't raise the funds that some of these teams that you're playing against that they are raising as well as, uh, you know, having uh, probably strength and conditioning throughout uh, the day in school. A lot of times we don't have that. Um, some of these teams that are that we're playing against, you know, their they're strength and conditioning throughout the school day that's built in. Some of these things that are helping uh, immensely that they're doing that, that we don't really, uh, that we're behind the eight ball. We're behind the eight ball with our middle school, you know, because they're going everywhere, you know. To go down the line, and most uh, high schools at Metro, uh, the middle schools, they you know they go in and everywhere. So you don't really have that base. Uh, uh, last question, then we'll get a break. Yep. Um, as a TSU graduate, how do you feel about the Eddie George hire? Eddie George, you know, just like a lot of people, you're like, man, you know, you know what's what's the deal? What why why is it TSU? But when you dig down. Uh, because I have a relationship with the uh, with the athletic director and Mickey Allen, and Mickey Allen is a tremendous visionary. Uh, he has tremendous uh, leadership uh, abilities, and uh, I really follow him uh, as far as that is concerned. But I just personally, I at first I was a little uh, just kind of you know a little leery. But when I just stopped and thought about it and what he brings to the table and his expertise in football. You know, football is football, and his leadership, and, uh, and and beyond all that, he's a good man, and it starts there. And when it starts there, you know, he can reach people. Uh, he can uh, he can get a coaching staff that's going to be very productive, a coaching staff uh, that is that is that is tremendous as far as knowledge based. And so, I look forward to um, Eddie George coming and leading the Tennessee State University Tigers. Uh, through a, a new era, I think Coach Reed did a great job in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. But I think now it's time for a new leadership, and I think that the community is ready for a change. And look forward to Eddie George and getting behind him. Outstanding. Well, with that, let's take a break. We're coming to you from Dickie's Barbecue Pit at 70 Whitebridge Road here in Nashville, Tennessee. 
We'll be back with 615 Coaches and Q right after this. One. Welcome back to 615 Preps, Coaches and Q, coming to you from Dickie's Barbecue Pit here on 70 Whitebridge Road in Nashville. Uh, Coach, we talked a little bit about uh, about you being without uh, a home field. As a coach, how difficult is it to adjust to a team having no home games? Well, it's, it's, it's relatively hard, but the kids, there again, are uh, very resilient. You know, you look forward to just participating and playing, and, you know, there, there are some advantages and disadvantages. You know you're always going to be on the bus. You know you always have to leave and get there a little early. You're going to have to – have your fellowship with Christian athletes meeting and dinner a little early because you're going to have to get out of there, especially always, you know, playing on the road. So, but, you know, they're abandoned. You don't have to line the field. You don't have to cut the grass. <laughs> you just look for little things that it make you feel like, oh, it's not that bad. But, you know, we all want to play in front of our home fans. We seem to play much harder in front of your your friends and your family and friends. So, it's it's been difficult, you know, difficult not to have you know the band and, and hear the band playing. It's just so many things that, you know, that you feel good about playing at home that we didn't get to do. And after three years, I guess you kind of get insulated and you say, well, you know, it doesn't really bother us. But deep down, you know it does. But there's nothing you can do about it. You have that added expense of travel and yeah. and the loss of the gate. <laughs> Yeah, those those combination of things, loss of game, the travel, money, uh, all that adds up. And like I said, you, you don't have any money. You don't have any gate money. So, But the student athletes, they deserve, you know, good things just like other uh, schools that you play against. So you just have to go out. And like I said, we've been very fortunate to have people that have supported me throughout the years. And we couldn't have done it without uh, the help from uh, sponsors and supporters. Well, last year – COVID-19 delayed your start, and your kids had to watch as other kids got to play uh, and, and practice. And then you and other Metro coaches had to go before the school board and make your case. Why is it so vital that the Metro kids get to play? Well, you know, just one thing that, you know, our, our uh, director of schools, uh, Dr. Battle, of course, she, she has done an outstanding job, and she did and is doing now what she know feels is, is right and we, but you know, the student athletes, they get to look around. I mean, we write probably two, two uh, blocks from David Lipscomb. You know, they look at those kids from David Lipscomb. Coach, why are they playing? Why are the kids from FRA playing? Why are the kids from Brentwood Academy playing? Why are the kids from NBA playing? These these schools are within five miles, and they're playing and they're participating. You can say, well, I don't know. You know, they say, well, it's the same COVID. Are they dealing with it? Are we dealing with it? Is that different COVID? I said, no, I think it's the same COVID. But, you know, from whatever, you know, the uh, the health policies and you have different uh, people that are telling you different things and you have to take all into consideration. But we just – I thought it was very important. I thought it was very important to fight for what I felt – and some of the other coaches thought was was the right thing, and and the, the children, you know, they. And the funny thing about it, uh, it's probably the best attended practices that we had, and not knowing that they're going to ever play, they kept playing, they kept coming every day, they kept coming, they kept uh, going out there, and and in the sweat, and the hot, and the sun, and the rain, and they just kept coming back. Didn't know they were going to play, but just. You know, just trusting in me and trusting in other coaches in Metro that they were just going to get an opportunity just one day just to get out there and play. Because if you really look at it, probably only 
five or six, maybe five percent of kids are ever going to go on to play in college. And so this was the last frontier that they have to be unified and, and, and with their friends and buddies and to be in the locker room and tell stories and all this. You know, you won't really miss it until years later. But I think they sensed that. So they just kept coming to practice every day uh, with a great attitude. And uh, we heard this from other schools as well. So we just kept moving forward, didn't know what the next day was going to bring, but we were just hoping and praying that they, they had that opportunity, and they did. And it was just when we told them they were going to get to play, it was just like a, just a tremendous eruption, just so happy that they got an opportunity. Because like I said, most of them won't get a chance to move on to play in college. Now I remember the press conference that you guys had, all the Metro coaches got together, and you, met, you mentioned Lipscomb. You had a pretty powerful ally in Trent Dilfer oh, come along man. to attend that press conference exactly. on a day that they actually had to play a game on a Thursday night. So exactly. how big was that, having his support and having everybody in Metro come together for that cause? Well, truly, Coach Dilfer, he's, he's that kind of man. He's that dude, to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, you looked around, and, and he didn't really want to say anything. He was just there in support of what we were doing. But he was there. We had to get him to say something. And he's just a tremendous ally, not only – uh, was he's there, uh, we were having problems with our field, didn't have a field of practice, and he allowed us to practice in the spring about a couple of years ago. So he's really just a friend of high school athletics. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's just a good man. So to see him there, and he didn't have to be there. You know, he really didn't, and that says a lot about who he is, and you can tell by the team that he's putting on the field now. Uh, he's he's going to be a problem. How difficult was it? coaching through the remainder of the season once your kids got off the field, knowing that you were behind as far as just even having games? We knew that we knew that they were uh, behind. We knew that there were situation obstacles in front of us that we couldn't control. All we could control is what we had in front of us. That's to come out, work hard, get ready to play as best we could, as fast as we could. And it really it hurt us more so in, in the little nagging injuries, the soft tissue injuries that we were having, uh, the little pools and strains and those kind of things that probably should have been worked out four or five weeks, six weeks. You know, prior to that, we were getting them. And so those are the kind of things that we were experiencing as we started. Uh, but we got through that and, 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 and persevered and moved forward. But certainly uh, it, it presented a lot of problems. When you look toward 2021, of course, you won't be as a head coach in your in the role. But you know, when your successor takes the field at Hillsborough, what's he going to get as far as the program, as far as the roster he's inheriting? I think he's uh, whoever that person is. I'm hoping there's one particular person, but you know, <laughs> uh, we have a good staff. They're good men. Uh, also, like I said, there everything is in place from uniforms. Uh, to new flex helmets, uh, to any all the uh, blocking equipment and practice equipment. Uh, we got a, a pretty good uh, booster club now with the uh, quarterback club, uh, Miss Miss Ethan. I call her Miss Ethan. Her last name is so hard to pronounce with her. <laughs> but she knows who it is. But we have support there, and they have a good infrastructure ready and developed for whoever the next coach is. is there are some of the things that – um, that he won't have to experience that some of the metro schools that are experiencing, maybe even some of the other outlying schools that don't have the support. So he's got a lot of things uh, working with him. He's got a pretty good 
nucleus of uh, of uh, student athletes coming back. The culture is much better, and we have some some kids that uh, this is a delight to coach. Uh, one of them is Devin. Bester, a young man that plays uh, lacrosse, he probably is one of the top student athletes that I that I've ever been around. Just a just an outstanding student, tremendous person. Uh, so we have a lot of those kind of kids there. So the culture, I think, is very good. So you feel, I guess you got to feel pretty good, you know, where, where the program is and, and where things are at Hillsborough, handing that off. A lot of new stuff and a lot of exciting stuff oh, happening. I'm, ex- I'm excited about handing it off to uh, the next coach. Uh, to to be able to be put in a position where he doesn't start from ground zero. I mean, he's up and running, whoever gets that position. And I'm just hoping it's the, uh, uh, a person that uh, that I've had the pleasure of being around for the last four years that has that opportunity. <laughs> now, do you plan on cons- becoming a consultant role with the program still? I think so if um, the right person, or not the right person, but the person that – that I would hope that uh, possibly would uh, get the job. I would be behind him with the help with fundraising, doing all the dirty work, anything that he asked me to do uh, can make his job much easier or whatever job it is, but especially if it's uh, one of the young men that uh, had opportunity to coach with. Well, you know, despite all the difficulties, and you had that 0-3 start, uh, you know, because you were, you know, you know, coming out behind, as Chris had said, uh, you lose, you know, two uh, two games to two good teams by a touchdown mm-hmm. each, and then you had a forfeit, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go on a dominating four-game run into the postseason. How did you keep your team focused after a slow start like that? Well, I think one of the things that, uh, although we had the soft tissue injuries and so forth, we were uh, relatively healthy. And if you're going to be a good team, no matter – uh, you can kind of look and kind of be parallel with a, a, a team that's healthy. If you remain pretty much healthy, especially the athletes that you need to be healthy, that they remain healthy, you know, you always at least got a, a good chance at, at, at being competitive. And uh, once you get on the field, you know, things can happen in high school. I've seen 10 and 0 teams, you know, going to the playoffs and losing the first game. So you want to be healthy. That's probably the main objective of going in and, and we had pretty good leadership uh, with our seniors. And uh, like I said, the coaching staff was, was pretty good. And uh, we look forward to just playing. I think the kids were so eager and just for the opportunity to play. They didn't really care when they played, where they played, how, but just wanted to play. Uh, you know, your defense steps, stepped it up after that. And, you know, you know, with the exception of the Cane Ridge victory, which was a shootout. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you team. rolled over a Page Patriot team that was very explosive uh, before you ended the season. Um, considering all that went on, do you believe your team met or exceeded the, your expectations? I believe so. I believe they did. I believe they uh, put themselves in a position. And, and really, what's what you want to do in high school is put yourself in a position to be successful. If you never put yourself in a position – uh, you don't have that opportunity. So we did put ourselves in position. We played a, a real good beast team uh, at the end. We played and we streamed the well. The first game probably, you know, had an opportunity to win as, as well as Pearl Cone. You know, we dropped a pass, uh, unfortunately, in zone and probably would have won the game. But there again, you know, we play a good beast team at beach. And we probably, I think the first four drives, we inside uh, the 10 and just didn't score. And when you don't score – Against a team like that, 
Uh, and then you give them an opportunity to get up off the ground. You know, the kind of things kind of start steamrolled and just went downhill. But it probably wasn't indicative of the team we had uh, up until that time. I felt pretty good. But, uh, you know, you just take your hats off to Beast. They were a better team, and uh, you just move forward. Now, you had several players sign this year to, uh, or, or walk on to play at the next level. Uh, just to name a couple, Jalen Macon went to Arkansas, was going to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yes, sir. Adrian Huey to Kentucky. Yes, sir. Um, Hillsboro's had a number of players getting looks from several programs on the roster. How do you help kids with that kind of talent prepare for the next level? Well, number one, you got to make sure that they're academically eligible. That's, uh, you know, Coach, Coach uh, Anthony Brown has done an outstanding job uh, with that and making sure and following up kids and making sure they submitted all the paperwork and so forth. But we also have a young man that uh, that's a lineman, Jacob Hood, and he's pretty much a late bloomer. Uh, he just turned 17 about three months ago, so I guess he's about 6'8". Uh, about 340 now. He's lost about 100 pounds. So he's just really just coming into himself. And now, you know, uh, he kind of reclassed where he'll be going in in the spring uh, instead of, uh, you know, next year. So he'll be coming uh, with the opportunity to play. You know, he's got Michigan, Miami, Auburn, I guess Tennessee, uh, all the SEC schools, I think, except Alabama. So I think a lot of people seeing this, you know, this huge kid that, really just now is really putting things together confidence-wise. Well, college-bound athletes aren't the only students that you're helping preparing for life after high school. What can you tell me about the In Full Motion program? Well, In Full Motion is a, is a 501C uh, program that we started, my wife and I, uh, 20 years ago, probably more than that, uh, to help pretty much the inner-city uh, student-athlete uh, become academically eligible uh, through because the ACT was such a barrier. The kids are having such a problem uh, with the ACT. Uh, we provided, you know, breakfast and, and, and funds to make sure these kids. And when there was a lady, uh, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention her name. She's, she's passed now, but her name was Miss Mary Lee Bunch, and she was out of Brentwood, Tennessee, and she started the program. She was probably the top ACT person in the country. And she was uh, on our board. She was there every Saturday. Uh, she uh, impacted our students so much. And she made this program one of the top programs uh, in the country. Uh, and so we're able to, to help these young people through tutoring and mentoring and even job readiness and other things to help them become a, just a, a better citizen. And uh, the program has is, is, is helped, I don't know, thousands of, of, of young people. Uh, to go on, you see them all the time. They you run into families and parents saying that, you know, my child, uh, you know, was in in full motion. My child got a scholarship, and my child is doing this, and it's because they're in full motion. So that just makes me uh, feel, and my wife and all the people that are involved in in full motion, it just gives us a great, just, just we just love to hear that uh, when people are saying that about us. And these kids are becoming uh, very productive citizens. Uh, if if people wanted to, uh, to donate to In Full Motion, mm -hmm. uh, how do they do that? Well, this is a 501C uh, nonprofit, and you can get in touch with us uh, with 615-254-6800. Uh, That's pretty much an easy number, 615-254-6800. 
Uh, my wife is uh, Cynthia Fitzgerald. She's an attorney, uh, and she graduated from Vanderbilt Law School. Uh, she came up through the inner city just like myself. She spent her first 21 years in the, uh, in, in the, in the projects, and she was able to go to McGavitt and uh, MTSU and then got us um, kind of a scholarship to Vanderbilt and was able to uh, get her uh, degree from Vanderbilt, her law degree from Vanderbilt University. Well, that's great. And if folks, if you want to check that out, check it out at uh, infullmotion.org. That's yes, that's sir. one that's one word, infullmotion.org. Yes, sir. Um, so check that out. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're here, six one five Preps Coaches and Q Show, coming to you from Dickie's Barbecue Pit here in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back to Coaches and Q. Here at Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Nashville, Tennessee, here with Coach Maurice Fitzgerald. And now we get to the fun questions, ah, the, the really important questions, which I've, I've got new ones. You've got new ones? I've got new ones. Okay. I was tired of losing about the pineapple pizza thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask that right away. Pineapple and pizza, do you like it or no? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I believe it's, what, five to two now? It is, yeah, five to two. We'll officially retire that question now that we've I actually had already officially retired it, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> He's hit me with that so many times. It's like, eh, I, don't, I don't do it either. Yeah, I, will eat, I will eat pizza, and I will eat pineapple, but not together. Not together. Not together. There you go. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Well, Coach, clearly no one can speak to uh, what is truly Nashville more than you. So you tell me, what is more Nashville, hot chicken or goo-goo clusters? Hot chicken. Prince's hot chicken and some others hot chicken, uh, Hal's hot chicken, just hot chicken, man. That's yeah. that's the way to go. Yeah, that's the way to go. there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, what's more frustrating, Hillsborough Road traffic or bachelorette parties? Uh, <laughs> Hillsborough Road traffic. <laughs> I will second him on that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been on that road when it wasn't oh, congested. Man, I tell you, man, it's no easy way around. <laughs> well. You know, Hollywood does its fair share of dramatizing high school athletics. What do you think is the most exaggerated or mis- most misconstrued uh, part of high school a- uh, athletics that Hollywood just doesn't get right? Oh, I probably, you know, I think the um, how you how do you build uh, a story, you know, and make it really uh, truthful. You know about a, a a good program or a high school team or whatever. You know, I think a lot of things has to be glare, you know, glamorized because of it is high school and, and probably missing a lot of integral parts. So, which movie or show might get it most right? Oh, I would say Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like an honest answer. There we go. <laughs> That's my favorite answer to that question so far. I, I got to admit. Say, yeah, mine too. Yeah. Uh, which Nashville area high school is consistently the toughest to play in? Oh, Nashville. Yeah. I would probably you probably would say Pearlcom. Pearlcom. Well, going along with that, which area has the best high school atmosphere? That's. Uh, County and everything. Yeah, included. yeah. In, you, just in your, 
Experience. Oh, I, I, Do we exclude Hillsborough from this question? Yeah, just let's exclude. Let's exclude hey. Yeah, just for his okay. sake, let's so, exclude Hillsborough. I would. I would say. I would say Beach, and and a, and a lot of it is because of the uh, the students and the fans. You know, boy, they they are really riding you uh, and the players, and I really like that. You know, because that's it's a part of. You know, the culture, that's a part of high school, and that's the way it should be. You know, they're not shouting any derogatory statements or anything like that, but they're really riding kids. Hey, number one, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, and I'm telling the kids, don't look up. Don't look up. <laughs> and over the past few years, you know, Hillsborough Beach have had some really, really yeah, good games too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh, good deal. Well, in all of your years as an educator, what are you the most proud of? I think that being being totally involved with with this with the student athlete, not just because it's football or basketball or baseball season, but making sure that you are there and let them know that you're there and you're going to be there for the duration, not when it's only good, but when it's bad or or when they have issues and we can cry together and laugh together, knowing that you're just there for them. What are you going to take away from your coaching career? And as far as, you know, a favorite moment uh, of, of, in those 36 years? Uh, I think one of my probably favorite one. I don't say the referees used to call a lot back, but back in my days at Pearl Cone, they would call a lot back. So what I would do when we had a guy, a great back, Santonio Beard, <laughs> and he would break those long runs. And what I'd do, I would just kind of just – hit the ground. I dive on the ground because I knew they were going to bring it back. So we were in the playoff game. Well, this state championship game. And uh, one of my coaches by name was Coach Tony Booth, which he's, he's, he's passed on now. But I think San Antonio broke one long run. Of course, I knew they were going to bring it back, so I did. I hit the ground. And all of a sudden, I felt the world wait on me. And it was Coach Booth that had tripped over me and falling on me and couldn't get up. So I'm saying, Coach, get up, get up. He said, I can't, I can't. I'm like, Lord, this is – so we were laying there. And that probably was uh, one of the most intriguing moments of my life. That, you've had some former players also become head coaches in, in the Nashville area. Coach Brunetti over at Pearl Cone, Dan Davis, no, Jamal Coach Stewart at East Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you look back – at some of their careers, you know, what do you what do you see from them that that you I'm are very, proud of? Yeah, I'm very proud that uh, we have one uh, young man that uh, that's uh, uh, Coach Mason that's coaching uh, Rashad Mason that's coaching with us now that that played for me. There are five guys at, at Pearl Cone that played for me, uh, along with the two uh, the offensive head coach and uh, and the head coach coach. Uh, Brandon Woods and Coach Tony Brunetti. So it's it's guys and even guys even into the junior pro ranks, which does a, a, a tremendous job with our young people starting them off with the fundamentals. So when you just look around, you know, I, it's just so many, you know, you're like, man, I, I, I played a small part in what they can do and hopefully that they can take some of the things that they learned from us and, and, and apply them to what they're doing in their lives. It's a pretty nice little coaching tree to have. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Quite the legacy. Well, Coach, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I enjoyed it myself. You've certainly left your mark, uh, an indelible mark on uh, Metro Nashville and on thousands of kids in, in 
in the metro area and you know, we can't thank you enough for talking with us and Absolutely. spending time with us. Yeah, well, thank you guys, and you do such a, a great job in helping promote, you know, the athletic spirit of football. Yep. Well, Thanks to head coach Maurice Fitzgerald for joining us from Dickie's Barbecue Pit, seventy White Perch Road here in Nashville. Scott, uh, you hungry? I'm hungry. Let's get some food, coach. You hungry? Hey, I second that emotion. There we go. <laughs> Let's go. All right, thank you all for joining us. This is the 615 Preps Podcast, Coaches and Q Edition. We'll talk to you next time. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at cbrookstn.com and Scott at sburton615.